I pulled up Pastor Rich's Instagram page. This was from uh, this was from Wednesday, and so like this is really old. He only had six hundred fifty-eight thousand followers on Wednesday. He's added like seventy-nine thousand followers since Wednesday, or something ridiculous like that. I mean, this is so cool. And you've got you know, of course, you got Pastor Rich preaching. You've got Pastor Don Cherie's belly, which is uh, you know God honoring in all their ways. We celebrate that. But I, I I hope that you'll celebrate the fact that you're pastors are influencing influencers have you noticed that like some of the greatest influencers in the nation your pastors are influencing and they're being really really bold for jesus how many of you thank god for pastors that are legit cultural influencers i met a couple of you here that are actually like influencers too like really influencers just out of curiosity and at jdd as well how many of you would say you are an influencer like like raise your hands like Excellent. Okay. What um what I believe is that I came here today to help correct your view of yourself. If there's only ten or so of you that think you're an influencer, I came a long way to a great church to give you a more God-honoring view of yourself, an accurate view. The title of today's message is Becoming an Influencer. And I believe with all my heart that you are a leader, that you are a person of influence. And I want to give you one big statement today. I'll refer to this one version or another again and again, but it's this. You have no idea, no idea, all of you have no idea how much one conversation, how one conversation, one word of encouragement or one expression of love might change someone's life. You... As a follower of Jesus, you have no idea how much one word, one moment, one single word of encouragement, one generous expression of love has the potential to influence someone else and change their life. Now, if you didn't raise your hand when I asked if you were an influencer, part of it is because I set the anchor by showing you Pastor Rich's massive influence, and I did that on purpose. Uh, If you didn't acknowledge and say, I'm an influencer, chances are pretty good that you didn't because culture has in many ways hijacked the meaning of an influencer. In fact, I did a little research on this subject and I just kind of asked online, what is an influencer? And there was definition after definition after definition that came up, all that were very similar to this. The very first one, when I Googled what is an influencer that came up was this definition. An influencer is an individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others based on their authority, knowledge, or relationship with their audience. Almost every single definition I could find, page after page, on Google of an influencer was something like this. It's a person of influence who can influence others to do whatever. They have a big following, which is incredibly confusing to someone of my age. Because the crazy thing, when I was growing up, we thought of influencers as like maybe your teacher was truly a person that had influence in the lives of her or his students. I I tended to think of my coaches as influencers. In many ways, I am who I am today because of a few people who invested in me when I was a young man and had tremendous influence in my life. I used to think of people like Sunday school teachers or your VU group leaders as people of influence. And yet today, for some reason, culture would now relegate the influencers to be celebrities or thought leaders or content creators. In fact, I gave up 
looking for an article that talked about anything besides a celebrity view of influence. And I believe with all my heart, that is tragic. It's completely tragic. What I'd like for us to do in our time together, and you all at JDD too, what I want to really try to focus in on doing is try to reclaim the word influencer. Reclaim this and apply it into into our lives. In fact, we're going to be in um, two different portions of Scripture today, Matthew chapter 5, and then we'll be in John 4. I want God's help to, um, to do justice to this message, so I'm going to ask him. Father, in the name of your risen son, Jesus, would you impart life-giving truth to every single person at Voo Church that would see themselves, God, as a leader, a person of influence who would decide today to be a blessing into the lives of others, God. They would not be reactive, but they would be proactive, God. When there is a problem, they would see themselves as the solution. They are gifted, called, anointed, empowered by you to make a difference in this world. God, may their light shine for the glory of Jesus to bring others to know your goodness and your love. We pray this, God, in faith, believing in the one who gave it all for us, your son, our savior, Jesus, and all God's people. People said, amen and amen and amen. Jesus said this in John, in Matthew chapter five, if you are a follower of Christ, this is for you. He said, you are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Salt tends to purify. Salt preserves. Salt flavors. Listen, you're a flavorful church. If you didn't know that, boo church. Okay salt flavors you are the salt of the earth then jesus says you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house jesus said in the same way Food church, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Would you lean over to the person next to you and say, You're kind of salty? Now lean to the second choice, your second pick person, and say, You're kind of shiny. You are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. We have a problem today in our culture, in my opinion, when it comes to influence, that the problem with our current view of influence is so many people think it starts with platform. It starts with platform. I hope you'll understand that true and lasting influence always starts with people before platform. It always starts with people. It's always relationships. It's always investing in the lives of others. For example, um, let me kind of give you a run of questions. Uh, Pastor Rich asked earlier, how many of you do have the YouVersion Bible app on your devices? Excellent. If you don't, the majority of the room does. You at JDD as well. If you don't, um, download it. It's a Bible app that is free from our church with tens of thousands of Bible plans. It will read to you. You can do it with friends. It is a gift that our church puts over $10 million a year into. We're excited to give it away generously to people around the world. There's about almost 400 million people that have the YouVersion Bible app on their phones today. That's a gift. So if, if you did a little study of this, you might say, well, who influenced the launch of the YouVersion Bible app? 
And you would probably, if you know the story, you would say, well, it was a conversation between me and um, a guy on our team named um, Pastor Bobby Grunewald. And because of our decision to launch it years ago, now it's on hundreds of millions of devices. And so you would you'd probably say, well, you know, Pastor Craig, you helped influence. You and Amy did. You, you made the decision. And that's, that's very, very true, but it's incredibly incomplete. Because if there wasn't a life church, there wouldn't have been the ability for a group of people to sacrificially give, to get behind it, and to give it away. And so how did life church get started? Well, you have to understand is, is I wasn't always a pastor. And, and so I felt called to be a pastor. I got saved in college, but I was a business major. When I got saved, I never thought to change my major. And so I graduated as a business major, said, I want to be a pastor. And like, we don't hire business majors. And so I couldn't be a pastor. And so I went to a church and I'd never met the pastor before. And he had to bring a friend Sunday. And he said, bring as many people as you can. I'm going to present the gospel. Just like next week, when your pastor preaches on, on stress, if you don't get people here, you're smoking the funny weed. Okay. You should, you, you, people need to hear the gospel. And he just told you, bring people next week and what I would do is I would look all around me and talk about who needs this message and bring them here next week to experience a divine meeting with our God bring them here next week and so my pastor said bring people well I had been the president of my fraternity in college I just graduated from college so I went back to my fraternity I said you guys you're all going to church with me this Sunday and they all said the bleep we are and I said the bleep you are and I basically pulled out all the leadership leverage I could and I got 17 hungover guys to come and sit in a very traditional church in pews. That's how traditional it was. And there hadn't been that much testosterone in this church since the 1800s. I'm telling you, it was rare. So my pastor said, um, if you brought a friend, stand up with your friends. And so I stood up with two rows of guys, 17 guys, and the whole church leaned over. Like, Where did those guys come from? You know, we've never seen that many young people in this historic traditional church. And so you can see my pastor's wheels were rolling. And, and he, he, he said, um, if you were the one that brought someone, you remain standing. He was trying to vet out who the person was that brought them and everybody else sit down. And so all the guys sat down and I remained standing and he looked kind of over to me. He walked back to another pastor in a throne because in the Methodist church, we had these little thrones. I don't know if you've ever seen them up on the stage, but he walked out to this other guy on the throne and he pointed right at me and he said, see that guy out there, find him and go hire him. And that's how I became a pastor. Like, legit story. And I felt, I felt so insecure. How, how could I be a pastor without knowing enough, hadn't been to seminary yet and such? And he said, if you can influence that many people to come to church, God can do a lot with you. So, so if you say, who influenced the start of, of Life Church? Uh, or, or the, the YouVersion Bible app, you'd have to say, well, Pastor Craig and Amy did. But then you'd actually have to say, well, Pastor Nick Harris did because he was a guy that took a risk on a 23-year-old guy who'd never done ministry before. So, so in many ways, he helped influence the start of the... But, but, then, but then you have to go back and recognize I was not always a Christian. In fact, I went to college. I kind of majored in sinning. How many of you have majored in sinning? You know, sin's fun for a while, right? How many of you know sin's fun for a while? Yeah, if you, don't, if you don't think it's fun, you didn't do it right. You know, or you're lying, one or the other. It's fun, and it's not, but they don't mess you up or jack you up. It's like sneezing. It's like sneeze feels good coming out. Then there's snot everywhere. That's what sin does to you. It like messes things up. And so I was, in, I was really, really hurting in college, and my fraternity, four guys got committed, uh, got caught and um, charged with grand larceny, and they were going to kick our fraternity house off campus. Well, I was a president, so I tried this little PR move. 
And I said, we're going to start a Bible study. And all my fraternity brothers like, bleep you, Bible study. And I, and I was, none of us were Christians. I said, we're going to do a Bible study. It was a, like a PR move. But personally, I was curious about Jesus. Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, we're going to meet in the pit for a Bible study. So Tuesday, I was walking to class, and I realized I didn't have a Bible. And so going into class, I don't think I prayed. Like, I don't think I was that spiritual, but I just, I kind of like thought in the direction of heaven, like, I don't have a Bible. <laughs> if anybody cares, I don't have a Bible. And I walked out of class and a gentleman from an organization known as the Gideons reached out and said, young man, would you like a free Bible? And so I got seven kind of hungover type party guys together and, and we started a Bible study. I said, turn to the first book in your Bible. I was trying to sound all pastoral, Rich Wilkerson-like, you know, turn to the first book in your Bible. They turned to Genesis and I turned to Matthew. <laughs> Not all there. That's why I was free, I guess, you know. And we started reading the Bible. And praying together. We didn't know how to pray. None of us were Christians. We pray like, God, protect us as we party tonight. God, watch over us. Keep us safe. And we pray for Mitch's girlfriend, God, that she's not pregnant. God, help her not be pregnant. We didn't know. We had no idea. Well, would you pray if you're not a Christian, right? And so... I read all the way to Ephesians chapter 2, and I read about the grace of Jesus, that you could be saved, not, not by works, but by grace, and I called out on the name of Jesus, and, and I, I became a new creation, and, and I never knew for years who gave me that Bible until about six months ago, we found out who the guy was at my university that gave him away that year, and this is actually um, Mike, who is most likely the guy... Now, don't miss this. Who gave me a free Bible? I've been asked a million times, why doesn't Life Church just sell the YouVersion Bible app? The Bible that I received that changed my life was free, and our Bible ain't for sale. It's always going to be free. Okay? So, so, who influenced the start of the YouVersion Bible app? Well, certainly we had something to do with it, but so did my pastor, and so did some guy named Mike who handed out Bibles and never knew if one would make a difference or not. Who influenced the start? Or was it the guy that was the Christian at my school that everyone liked and looked up to and I admired? He was a great athlete and everybody loved him. And I saw him in line one day wearing this bracelet. And I was nervous around him because he was cool and I wasn't. And I said, hey, man, bro, I like your bracelet. That's all I knew to say. And he said, oh, and he showed it to me. And it had a, a verse on it that said, um, the Lord is your shield. And I was like, oh, because I wasn't a Christian. And I was so amazed. I said, that's really cool. And he said, you like it? And I said, I do. And he, and he said, I want you to have it. And he took it off. And this guy that I didn't even know that I looked up to, gave me his bracelet with God's word on it, that I went and looked up in the Bible, that helped me to understand and have a love for the Bible. So, so who helped influence the start? Well, certainly that guy had a little bit to do with it as well. Here, here's what I hope you understand is this. 
Influence isn't always instant. And influence isn't always obvious. Just because you don't see a harvest doesn't mean the seed hasn't taken root. Just because you haven't seen the end of the story doesn't mean that your word didn't make a difference. Doesn't mean that your expression of love didn't make a difference. Because listen to me, you are a leader. You are a person of influence. And you have no idea how God might use one moment, one word, one expression of love or generosity to impact someone and lead to something significant spiritually in their lives. I want to show you a story that inspires me and blesses me and challenges me and motivates me from John chapter 4 about a woman that nobody ever thought would have been an influence. Nobody ever thought this woman would be an influencer. If you know the context of her story, Jesus was actually on a trip and he was passing through a place called Samaria. And if you know a little bit about the historical context in the time when Jesus lived, um, Jewish people and Samaritans didn't get along. They hated each other. Jews especially despised Samaritans at this time because Samaritans were, they were half uh, Jewish half Gentile and Jews would say that Samaritans at this time were worse than dogs and they weren't even humans and so when Jesus goes through Samaria sits down on a wall and encounters a Samaritan woman it was completely shocking beyond measure to her that a Jewish man would even give her the time of day, much less respect her and honor her with a, a meaningful conversation. And so Jesus comes and encounters the Samaritan woman, a Jewish man would have never ever even talked to or acknowledged. He would have walked away from her. And Jesus instead looks at her and says, would you mind getting me a drink of water? The woman says in, in John chapter 4, verse 9, the woman was surprised, of course she was, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So she said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why in the world are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift that God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She's intrigued. She's, she's moved because he's, he's dignifying her with a, with a conversation, but yet she's confused. He's offering, he says he can give living water, but he's asking for a drink. And she says, I, I don't have a bucket and the well is really deep. How in the world am I going to get this living water? And Jesus replies in, in verse 13 and says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. He's showing her he brings to offer. He, he comes with living water. There's a satisfaction that quenches your eternal thirst. She says, I, I want some of this water. Can I have some? Please give me some of this water. And then Jesus does something that's interesting. He helps her to see her spiritual need, and then he reveals, or at least hints, as to who he is by prophesying into her life. He says to her, he says, hey, go get your husband, Jesus told her. And she immediately is honest and says, I don't, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth 
And the woman is blown away by this. How in the world would he know this? Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Here's what's so interesting to me about this story is you might think Jesus is being harsh by getting her to like recognize she's had a really messed up life. But what I think he's doing is he's loving her and helping her to see her real need because there's no bit of condemnation in his voice whatsoever. In fact, when people look at her, they call her the immoral woman. And truthfully so, in her town, people would have whispered about her. Wives would have wanted their men to stay away from her. Men might have said, oh yeah, she, you know, she's been him, him, and him, and him, and him. And, and in that culture, that would have made you kind of an outcast. To be living together, you just would not do that. That was in no terms uh, socially acceptable whatsoever. When other people look on, they see an immoral woman. When I look on, I tend to try to look with the eyes of Jesus, who might have known her backstory. In fact, I don't know anybody who said, hey, my goal is to have six marriages. In fact, I'm wondering, and we have no idea why she ended up that way. Maybe Jesus knew that she made bad choices, that she made sinful choices, in fact, but maybe he also knew that she had an abusive father or something, you know, and maybe that that confused her. Maybe her father like molested her and she never quite had a real identity of who she was supposed to be. Or maybe the first guy she dated, you know, got her pregnant and left her and she didn't know what to do was just trying to raise a kid in this culture or 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 maybe she had an abusive husband and she never quite developed her self-esteem whatever it is when other people saw uh, an immoral woman jesus saw a miracle waiting to happen jesus saw someone who could be a recipient of living water in other words, if you came to Voo Church today and you don't feel proud of something that happened in the background, and maybe you're a little bit ashamed if they just knew and other people might whisper about you. Listen, there's no condemnation. There's nothing but love here. We've all got that kind of stuff in the past. And what we see is just a miracle waiting to be happened. When you experience the true grace and love of Jesus that accepts you as you are and offers a living water that we could never, ever earn and we don't deserve, it quenches that thirst that we have, that longing, that knowing there must be something more. And Jesus looks at this woman and dignifies her and he expresses his love for her. She would have been disliked in her town and yet it starts to dawn on her. She heard perhaps that there was maybe a savior that was coming. Maybe she'd heard about some of the miracles this guy named Jesus was doing, um, healing the sick, opening blind eyes, casting out demons, raising the dead. And she starts to ask herself, why would this Jewish man offer me living water? How does he know about my life? Maybe, maybe this is the Messiah. This is the one that we've been waiting for. Verse 28, here's what she did. The woman left her jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everybody, oh my gosh, anybody who will listen, would you please listen? I've got something to tell you. Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this possibly be the Messiah? Scripture says, so the people came streaming in from the village. What does this story tell us? This broken woman, this hurting woman, this sinful woman, outcast in society who becomes an immediate influencer her story tells us 
that you don't have to have your life all together to make a difference for the glory of Jesus. You can do it where you are, even right now. One expression of love, one moment of grace, one word of encouragement. You have no idea how God might use you to influence someone for Jesus. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to have a theological degree. You just have to have experienced his grace and his goodness. She cared about people enough to share the grace, the goodness of Jesus. You have no idea how God might use one word of encouragement, one moment with someone. I'm, I'm glad to have my kids with me, Stephen and Joy. They're, they're my two youngest, and I, I love their passion. I love the way they influence, 16 and 15 years old. Um, Joy went to a, um, uh, a place, and she, um, uh, a concert, and I, I posted this, or she posted this, and I talked about this at a worship night. She said this, that Joy, that she's the tall one on the left. Um, she said, worship is like breathing. You're created to do it all the time. It's a lifestyle. And I showed this at a worship night that we had at our church to try to help people see that, that worship is a lifestyle. And I was, I was so moved by, by, by Joy posting that because that's the way it should be. I got a, um, a letter that came after that worship night from a guy who happened to be there who was really moved by the worship night. And uh, this guy wrote this to me. He said, I, I recently attended the Hillsong United Conference in Oklahoma City, where we're from. He said, I, I had a ticket in the pit. And I was right next to the stage. He said, there was this girl beside me the entire time. And something about her was just different. Something about her worship was different. I was in awe of how she represented God. After that night, I took away the idea that I had to become closer to God so I could have something special like that girl did. Something that draws me closer to God, where it represented um, where it's represented through me, where others can see my passion for Jesus. Uh, later that week, I attended the night of worship at Life Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and you had posted a picture of your daughter, Joy, on the screen. And I was like, wow, I was next to my pastor's daughter the entire night. That explains so much. It was your daughter who was so connected with God, and he said it was contagious. Contagious. It was contagious. In, in other words... You have no idea, Voo Church, when you come in and when you just express your love for God, how someone else might be sitting on going, they have something that I don't have. I want that. Not only did this guy write that letter to me, but there was a girl that was in college. Mind you, Joy was, was 15 years old. And this girl was in college, came up to her and just opened up and said, I don't have that. And Joy took her outside and led her to know Christ, and they prayed together that night. We're talking about a 15-year-old girl that, listened to me, all she did was express her deepest affection and worship for the Savior who had touched her life. And that expression of, wor that, that expression of worship impacted at least two people that we know of. You have no idea, no idea. If anyone ever asks you, are you an influencer? Your only answer is, yes, I'm an influencer. I am a leader. I am a person of influence. Today, I will choose to be a blessing. I am not reactive in what I do. 
I am proactive. I'm going to be somebody's answer. My God dwells within me. His grace is alive. His spirit has impacted me. I come with a message. I come bearing gifts. I come bearing hope. I am here because my God has delivered me. I want you to know his grace. I want you to know his power. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. You are a person of influence. Go ahead and remain standing, if you will, for just a moment. I want to try to bring this home. This is what John chapter 4 says. Many of the Samaritans, many of the Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything that I did. When they came out to see him, they begged for him to stay in the village. So he stayed for two days. Long enough to know, long enough for many more, many more to hear his message and believe. Who did God use on that day? Who did God use on that day? Listen, not an Instagram star, not a celebrity, not a content creator, not someone with a million subscribers on YouTube. God used some woman, we don't even know her name, who had an incredibly broken and dysfunctional life, who simply had been loved and transformed by Jesus. And that one woman who didn't have it all together influenced many because she'd been changed. You have no idea. You have no idea. You have no idea how God might use you. So when I got saved, I went to a Christian bookstore and I bought um, cassette tapes. Some of you know what those are. Uh, striper music petra there might be three of you who know what that is god bless you brother you, you're even too young you, you listen to your dad but anyway i i uh I, it was cheesy but i've been so changed by jesus i bought these little these across like this and i um i was like i want i want everybody to know now the party guy i'm a follower of christ and so i wore this thing out and i uh walked out and it was it was an hour or so before some guy goes like whoa that's that's bold man i, I he goes you could tell he goes I like that. And, and it dawned on me, I remember the bracelet guy years ago. And I just thought, I'm supposed to give this to him. And so total stranger, I said, oh man, I really feel like I'm supposed to give this to you. And I took it off, he's like, no way. He was so blown away. And so I went back and I bought another cross and put it on. And about two hours later, somebody complimented, I gave it away again. And so I got smarter. I went back the next time and I bought 20 crosses. <laughs> and I would put one on and I'd put one in my pocket. And I would uh, give one away whenever someone complimented and put another one on. And years and years went by. And, and um, one week I was preaching at our church. I went outside afterwards just to kind of greet people. And this, uh, this lady came up to me and, and she said, um, she said you, you, you may not remember me, but I, was, I worked at a 7-Eleven convenience store and it dawned on me. I said, I remember you because um, you were going through a hard time and you complimented the cross. And I remember praying with you. And she said, do you remember that I wouldn't take the cross, but you made me take the cross? And I said, I, I absolutely remember and, and that. And she just started crying and reached into her purse and opened up this little chain thing and brought this out. And she said, you have no idea how that gift impacted my life. What I want you to know, Vu Church, is that God's hand is on you. And your life may not be all together right now, that's okay, because that's where we all are. You don't have to know more. 
You don't have to be able to quote chapter and verse. You are a person of influence. If you've been touched by Jesus, you have no idea, no idea how one word, one moment. Listen, when you invite someone to come with you next week, you have no idea how God might use that. You, they may not come next week. It may not be until two years from now. But just because you don't see the harvest doesn't mean the seed didn't take root. Influence is not always instant. And it's not always obvious. When you, when you repost a Don Cherie preaching clip, can that chick preach? My goodness gracious. When you repost, you have no idea. When you simply hug someone who comes in, when you make someone feel loved, you have no idea. When you pray quietly for someone and they never ever know. When you listen to your mom who doesn't believe in the same God that you do, but you continue to show love and extend grace. When you reach out to that person that's hurting at work and they just know you're a Christian. When you just walk in with a smile on your face representing Jesus, you have no idea how God may use one moment, one word to make a difference in the world. Food church, who are you? You are salt. You are light. You have the risen Christ. You are a person of influence. You are full of love. You come bearing gifts. You point to the answer. His name is Jesus. If you believe that, lift your voices today. Give him praise. Give him honor. You are a person of influence.